Thank you, guys. They were spectacular, weren't they? It was amazing. If you weren't here at the very beginning and heard their a cappella thing, you might want to think about hanging around. It's so spectacular, fantastic. I don't know about you, but that kind of worship, that kind of singing, even Christmas carols, they help me understand the truth. There's one thing to know the truth. It's like another thing to experience it. It helps me enter into that experience and understand it a whole new way. Anyhow, Merry Christmas. It's really, really good to have you here. Thanks for coming out. I hope we can help you like experience the truth. That's what my job is for the next 10, 15 minutes here is just help you enter into the truth of what Christmas is really all about. You know, in trying to do that, I think it helps to understand what was going on when Jesus did come to earth in the form of a little baby born in a manger. There's a lot to think about, a lot to study about, a lot to know about into the questions of why, why would God do this, what's it all about, what's its meaning. There's a lot to study there. And one of the things that helps us understand that is to understand what the situation was like. In fact, it's quite phenomenal. And I wanted to read to you now from a historian telling us the situation when Jesus was born born in the manger, what it was like back then. Let me read this to you. Here's a researcher after his study in the times of Jesus. He put it this way. The people of that time were being heavily taxed and faced every every prospect of a sharp increase to cover expanding military expenses. The threat of world domination by a cruel, ungodly, uh, power-intoxicated man-to-man was ever just below the threshold of consciousness. Moral deterioration had corrupted the upper levels of of society and was moving rapidly into the broad base of the populace. Intense nationalistic feelings uh, was causing open clashes with new and sinister forms of imperialism. Conformity was the spirit of the age. Gosh, this is sounding like our times, right? Government uh, handouts were being used with increasing lavishness to to keep the people and the population uh, from rising up and throwing out the leaders. Interest rates were spiraling upward in the midst of inflated economy. Externally religious observances were considered a political uh, asset and an abnormal emphasis was being placed upon sports and athletic competition to appease the people. Racial tensions were at a breaking point. Well, in such a time as that, amid such a people as that who were feeling um, desperate, a child was born to a migrant couple. That's who Mary and Joseph were, a migrant couple who had just signed up for a fresh round of taxations and who were soon to become political exiles. And the child who was born was called Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. Now, what's significant about that is that Mary and Joseph, as they're described here, they're just people like you and me. In fact, they're even migrants. And it's like, they're below us economically. And they're, but they're just trying, like you and me, just to be happy. They just want to have a happy life. Happy marriage. Happy kids, right? That's their goal, just like us. But they're finding just what you and me find. The pursuit for happiness is fleeting. You know, it's up and down, up and down. Things are going good. Things are not going so good. You got, just got a job. We just lost your job. The Eagles just won. The Eagles just lost. You know, like, Right? <laughs> It's an up and down thing. As soon as you think you have a hold of some happiness and you don't want nothing to change, sure enough, something will change. I mean, that's kind of what the, the naivete of youth is, isn't it? They think it's all going to be happy and work out. 
And we who are older look back and go, yeah, not really. And what they're understanding here, these desperate people at desperate times, is this baby's born, and it gives them hope for more than happiness. Joy. Maybe you have understood the fleetingness, the, the inevitable vanishing of happiness. Seek it all you want. You'll lose it. Read some of the skeptics, some of the cynics. They'll tell you, yeah, now you think you got it now. Well, it's true. You and I know it's true. But what's offered in Jesus is not happiness, but joy which is a whole different thing than happiness, much deeper rooted. And that's what's worth understanding in the Christmas story, is I put down what's called the idea of the servant. Christmas is God's invitation to joy. And then the coming of Jesus brought joy to the people. Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew chapter 2, we first hear about Jesus is when these uh, wise men, they're called. Uh, some call them sorcerers. Some say they were magicians. Some say they were uh, astrologers, whatever. They saw this star and somehow had the idea that this star would lead them to the Messiah. The star would lead them to the hope of joy in, the li- in their lives. And so look what happens. Here's what it says in scriptures. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced greatly with great joy. There's the word rejoicing and great joy, all in one sentence. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, when the angels came to the shepherd, recorded in uh, Luke chapter 2, we see somewhat the same thing happening. These shepherds were just farmers taking care of their sheep, and all of a sudden, this big angel appears to them. And look what the angel said. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is called, who is is Christ the Lord. Now we could go on, and if we had time, I would, and I'd show you how about Mary and Joseph discovering this joy. Or Simeon, remember when Jesus is going to be circumcised, a little Jewish baby, they're bringing him to the temple to offer him, and there's this old saint there named Simeon, he's a prophet, and God told him, you will not die until you see the Messiah. And when he sees baby Jesus, he goes, that's the one, that's the one, I know it, he's the one. People are like, well, what are you talking about? And there's this old lady there named Anna. Same thing. She says, this is, this is the Messiah. I mean, right from the get-go, whether it's angels talking to the shepherds, this star, Mary having an angel visit her, Joseph having an angel visit her. Read the scriptures. There's angels all over the place, all these spectacular things. It's as though God's in heaven going, I'm going to show them, and I'm going to show them big time. This is it. This is their offer. Christmas is the offer of God to give us joy not just happiness. You see, the Bible teaches that all of us have sinned and fallen away from God. The book of Isaiah says all of us like sheep have gone astray. And God's saying, yeah, that's because I allowed you to make your choice. Adam and Eve in the garden, you know the story. Well, God says, I'm going to rescue you out of that. There's only one way out. You can't work your way out. You can't be good enough to get out. You can't please me in that way. But if I send my son, he could die on the cross for your sins and you could have a way. And so we have joy because of that. You know, as we go through the stories, and I could show you more of the disciples or different stories in the Bible, people being healed. One of the authors of one of the Gospels, his name is John. You know, and John was one of the major 12 disciples. 
John says, you know, I've been writing you all these things. And in John chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 15, verse 11, he, he says these words. Read it with me. In John 15, 11, he says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I remember years ago, I was just 19. You know, when I was 18, I came to this radical decision to decide to believe in Jesus as my Savior. For me, it was, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but it was pretty, pretty strange for this kid to become a Christian. But I did. I'm 19, and I meet this old lady that a lot of us kids wanted to meet because her name was Maud, Maud Johnson, and she was a retired school teacher. She was about 75. She had just nursed her husband through his death. Then she nursed her son through his death. Anybody would say, she must not be very happy, maybe even depressed. No, no, no. Maud was full of joy. And even us kids could see, whoa, what is going on here? I am an 18, 19-year-old kid running and chasing, and I won't get into all the details. I'm trying to have fun. I want to be happy. And I was not finding happiness already. I'm 18, 19 years old. And I go, it's like this. It doesn't work. I already figured it out. And so I meet this old lady, and she's going, well, of course it doesn't. I'm telling you, it's not found in seeking happiness. It's not found in seeking Jesus. That's where you're the only place you're going to find something solid enough to base your life on, truthful enough that will hold it together. The solid truth you can base your life on and find joy. Like, oh, man, she must be right. Many of us trusted what Maud was telling us, started reading the Bible, understanding the truth about Jesus. And it changed my life from there forward. To understand there's joy. It's deeper. It's more significant. It's something I can base my life on. The truth, even Jesus said. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And every one of us has to ask ourselves the question, well, what are you going to do with Jesus? You can't ignore him. He either was a liar, he was a complete lunatic, or he really was who he said he was. You know, in Jesus coming to earth, the Bible's teaching us, as I showed you in a few places, he came to bring us joy. And this idea of joy is found throughout the Bible. Did you know the word joy appears in Hebrew and in Greek, Old Testament and New Testament, 214 times? Wow, I guess this is part of what we need to understand. And I am shocked at how many people, even who call themselves Christians, don't really know the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on happenings. Whether something good happens or something bad happens. If you want to base your life on that, I'm telling you, good luck. But joy is this. The Webster's Dictionary says joy is a condition of high pleasure. Well, that sounds good to me. It goes on to describe it. Joy is a lasting satisfaction. Happiness comes up, goes down according to what happens. Whereas joy is lasting. Eh, testified by somebody like, like a Maud. Or, or the guys you watched earlier, Tony Hacker and Rob Hacker. How could, how could you have your, your little girl die in a fire of the home and you're still happy? I'm telling you. Find something deeper than happiness. Find joy. It can hold your life together, even through crisis and difficulty. 
I hear it all the time. I see it in the scriptures. It's there. It's true. There's a guy who got this, got it deep. Back in the 1700s, there was, there was a, a, he was a pastor of a church, he was an author, he was a writer of songs, and he wrote a song which happens to be the most popular Christmas carol of all time in North America. Joy to the world. He got it. He understood this is what Jesus came for. In fact, he's reading the book of Psalms, chapter 98. Or, yeah, I'm going to read to you. Chapter 98. And just let me read you the first four verses because this struck him. He's like, well, this is all about the promise of the coming Savior bringing his salvation. This is about Jesus. Listen to what it says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. There's a word. Notice the repetition of that. Salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of all the nations. In the baby Jesus. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Wow. That's powerful. So Isaac Watts, in fact, you know, Handel's Messiah, that guy, uh, George Frederick Handel ended up writing the music. We often sing with it. But Watts wrote these words. Let me just read to you the lyrics of the word of the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Verse 2. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods and rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. In the psalm, Psalm 98, if I had time, I'd read the whole thing. He goes on and talks about nature has been declaring this for years. It's telling us there's more to life than just what happens. There's a joy you can find only in Christ. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorn infest the ground. In other words, the curse that happened after Adam and Eve picked from the forbidden tree and the division between us and God. He says it can be healed. He comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. He finally ends with this verse. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love. The most known and quoted verse in the entire Bible is about that love. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That verse is telling us that belief is like the key. You want joy? Well, you're going to have to believe something. You're going to have to believe something different than you believe now, maybe. Or you're going to have to believe it again because you've fallen into the old pattern thinking, if I can just do this, I'll be happy. Or if I can just have this, I'll be happy. You might for a little while. But it's fleeting. I'm warning you, it's fleeting. Don't base your life on happiness. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, struggle to believe, ask to believe, seek to believe. But whatever it takes, you need to believe 
that God made you. You know, Scripture teaches this. Listen to me. Scripture teaches God made every human being, that means everyone in this room, for himself. And that you will find no rest for your soul till you find him. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. Well, here's what I want to do. I want us to have all of us stand up and sing joy to the world in just a minute. But before that, I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Dear God, I cry out to you for every soul in this room. You made every one of them. I plead with you, Lord, show yourself to them. Even as we sing this song, may they offer to you as a real worship, saying, okay, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Maybe you need to pray like a sinner's prayer and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. You know you have. Even the fact that we chase after happiness is kind of a sin. Say, Lord, I missed it. I want the truth. I want you to be my Savior, my Lord. That's what happened to Robin Tony Hacker. Changed everything. That's what happened to Maude Johnson. That's what happened to me. And so I declare it in front of you. Do it. Pray it today. Accept Jesus as your Savior and believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.